Yeah, that was the whole goal. Uh, the big goal George set out and tasked me with was make this something nobody's ever seen before. So I kind of left his office that day going, but if nobody's ever seen it, how do I know what it looks like? And uh, it's really the vocabulary we're creating for the Clone Wars, you know, and what, how we want it to be visually and how we want the audience to respond to it visually. So we really got into that in the feature and kind of we're showing the audience, this is the universe you can expect in the Clone Wars. And as we go on the TV series, we're going to develop it even further and be even more aggressive with some of the things we do. Well, I've always been interested in animation and everything, and so it seemed like a natural to explore the Clone Wars because we just barely touched on them in the movie. And I thought there were a lot of stories there that would be very interesting and could sustain itself for a TV series. You being the knowledgeable master filmmaker <laughs> and me the apprentice, it was easy to try to understand the relationship in the story that we were telling. I think from animation, one of the great things is you never treated the animation as something separate or different. It was just all part of the story. And that meant a lot because a lot of times in animation you delegate something else oh it doesn't need to be as good or it's just that animation thing and we kept pushing to say but we want the visuals and the story to just be an extension of the films Last points is Jason. This is Gabe. Clone Wars. It's all done. Who would have dreamed that it would end and then come back and then end again? I mean, I guess it's just like the rest of Star Wars. Who would have thought we would have gotten two endings to the Skywalker saga? And now we got technically two endings to Clone Wars, but really only one real ending, which is amazing that as much as people get annoyed with Disney that they were generous enough to let Dave and his crew come back and give a real final season to Clone Wars. It's kind of just that is incredible enough. And then the fact that it turned out so good is even more incredible. It just, it reminds me of when the, the sale to Disney was announced and wasn't it, it was like a week later or two weeks later or even longer than that. I can't remember exactly how far, that it was announced that Clone Wars wasn't coming back for season six. And I remember even when the announcement happened, it was just like, oh man, the writing's on the wall for Clone Wars. Like, I don't know if that show is gonna gonna make it. Because it was Clone Wars back then wasn't what it is today. It's 
kind of amazing. The resurgence this show has had. And what was it on the conversation with George Lucas on the Star Wars show where Filoni says like he always knew or George always knew that Clone Wars would thrive on a streaming service and and now with Netflix and Disney Plus both having it that's it's amazing how the show has come come to the place where it is now. But it makes sense because people like you who I would think would be the people who would be most into Clone Wars didn't get in at the beginning and were kind of scared to jump in in the middle. And you were like, well, I'll just wait till it's somewhere I can see it all at one place. And there was probably thousands and thousands and I don't know, millions of people that didn't really get into it till it was on Netflix. And then, yeah, then everybody got the itch and they realized why their friends were freaking out about the show and telling them over and over again, it doesn't matter. If you didn't see the last two seasons, you got to watch the show. Well, there's still people. I, I read about st- people still getting in on, in the Disney Plus era of people that have just within the past, I don't know, since year, since November, have been diving into Clone Wars for the first time. It's amazing. It's crazy. It's And now it's done, which is amazing and crazy and weird. <laughs> It's not like there's even like an opening. It's not like Rima Williams' The Adventure Begins. It's not like, well, maybe there'll be a little bit more. Who knows? Ezra's still out there. He's, you know, the story's not done. It's like, no, it's done. <laughs> we're not going back. Well, and we were joking this morning because we're, it's bright and early for us today that this is like, this week has been like celebration. It, oh, it, yeah, it has. Cause like last night, we're up late. Why, like I'm, I'm already be like, okay, my alarm is set. Everything's in place. Everything's ready. Got the cup of coffee in the coffee maker, ready to go for the morning. And then midnight comes last night, Sunday night, and it's, <laughs> it's up. You need to get up. It's up. And I'm like, well, I guess I better do this. So <laughs> up late. And then up early the next day for more Star Wars. It's Yeah, it's that celebration kind of feeling. It was just like, well, you can't sleep. It's a lot of Star Wars to take care of. Yeah, I was in the same boat. I was all ready to go to bed, and I saw your text that said, it's up. I just watched it. I was like, no, I guess I got to watch it now. And then it's like, oh, the Mandalorian stuff's up. Well, I guess I better watch that now. And then it's like two hours later, I'm laying in bed wishing I would fall asleep, and I can't sleep. But it doesn't matter because I'm up early watch it again and yeah it's we've we might not get celebration in the summer but we're getting little mini celebration this week with just all this new star wars stuff that we never really thought we would get and it's all coming at once i got lucky because last night the the rise of skywalker worked on disney plus the clone wars worked on disney plus but the mando show i tried it like a thousand times and it kept coming up with a little error thing (laughs) and i think it (laughs) it was It was George Lucas. Oh, you got to go to sleep, dude. That's enough. You're cut off. Yeah, he wasn't looking out for me last night. He was just like, it's all there, Gabe. You watch watch whatever you want. You can sleep later. (laughs) Maybe start watching some of the Lego stuff. Maybe watch the Droid Chronicles. Who knows? Maybe now's the time to start doing it. We've been holding on on that for too long. We got no excuses anymore. So yeah, we got a lot of <laughs> we got a Lego stuff to watch. So well, it's great. Yeah, Disney Plus. Everything has the concept art, like images for every every Star Wars thing on Disney Plus. And I was going through looking at like, oh, what's the concept art for the Last Jedi? Oh, what's the prequels and stuff? And then 
Is there concept art for the Lego Chronicles? No. Oh, that's because there's no concept for that because that stuff all really happened. Those are, <laughs> those are just documentaries. Well, yeah, it has been like a celebration kind of weekend. Like even just yesterday was like, like we said, we're recording this very early on Monday. And yesterday, Sunday, Clone Wars episodes started playing in New Zealand, I think, like all day yesterday. And the mood yesterday was one of those magical times in Star Wars history when you had everyone completely freaking out. Like, no one was able to accomplish much of anything on Sunday. Like, everyone's poor families because we were, <laughs> Clone Wars tomorrow. It's a big day tomorrow. It's like it was literally at Christmas Eve all day for everyone. And then the internet was a literal landmine. Of spoilers yesterday. Did you, did you didn't get spoiled at all, did you? No, I was luckily busy enough that I wasn't online too much. And then when I saw your text about, it's up in New Zealand, I watched some of it. I was like, oh, okay. Uh, at that point, it was like less than 24 hours than I thought I'd be able to watch. And it turned out to only be, I wonder if that's why they ended up releasing it at midnight eastern time just because they knew people were already watching it in other countries and and uh sending videos and screen clips around but yeah i managed to wait i'm glad i did but i it's one of those things and when we get into the episode i don't know that you could really spoil that episode with pictures other than maybe the end but even then i don't think pictures would do it justice so i'm i don't know i'm glad i waited hey, the only thing i saw because i was just like oh i wonder I wonder if there's any information about how long the episode is. And I like, Oh, I'll go on Reddit. And the first thing I saw was like Vader Vader's in it. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, Oh, Oh. And then I just stopped. And I was like, Oh, okay. When I was just like, man, there's this entire clips. Star Wars fans are Star Wars fans. And <laughs> yeah, I don't know what's wrong with me. Cause I probably should have been watching that, but it was like, I think because Clone Wars is like the episodes are so short, it would be different if it was a two hour movie. Like I don't mind with a two hour movie seeing anything and everything I can, but you know, that seemed, I feel like there were spoiler clips of rise of Skywalker that were as long as this episode. So it was like, I, I might as well wait. We weren't making this for television. We were making it for the big screen. I said, think of this as a feature. Everything about it, the style, attention to detail, the lighting, everything is done at a feature level, even though it's going on television. Being young and impressionable, he said, well, you can't do that. Did I say that? Would I say that? Yeah, I would just... How do that? How are we going to do that? It's impossible. <laughs> Especially like after we cut that sequence. Yeah. It was like about yeah. 600 shots more than what they had in the first place. And, and you were it, right. And you just, did it, you know, you go yeah. through and do that, eventually you get the hang of it. And then you don't say that. But I always keep them on their toes. I always oh, yeah. say, here, that was hard. Here's something that's even worse. Yeah. I think yeah. one of the most important lessons, which I gave you in the beginning, which was, and Francis Coppola taught me, he says, look, you can't write, you can't direct. Because all you're doing is telling a story on film, but the story is still the same. And if you don't know what the story is, and you don't know how to write the story, you're not going to know how to direct it. So, overall thoughts, looking at just this episode, Victory and Death, final episode of The Clone Wars, which, before we start getting into the nitty-gritty, what, what are your thoughts? I remember, like, the first thing I thought when it was done is that I was very satisfied, and I was it was sad, but it was still hopeful, and I remember thinking, well, 
this is not at all what I was expecting, but then it was like, this is exactly what the ending should have been. And we got excited speculating at all the craziness that could happen. But in the end, they kept it simple because it was really, this episode was about what happens to Rex and Ahsoka and Maul. And it told us what happened to them, but it didn't give us too many details. It left it open for more stories if if they need to write them in some form. But it gave us all the information we needed to kind of lead into Rebels and into the future. And it was surprisingly just very simple, which in the end is probably what it needed to be. Yeah, I, w- I was in the same boat where I was happily surprised for an episode that, like, especially when I rewatched it again this morning, how epic just part four of the Siege of Mandalore is. Because it, it really is epic. Like, how small it still feels, but not in a bad way. I wonder if some of that is just, like we've talked about in these Clone Wars episodes over on the Blast Points Army episodes we've done, is how, like you said, it's more, I think, more character-focused than if you would have asked us, Two months ago, what's going to happen in the final four episodes of Clone Wars? We would have been like, it's going to be the greatest battle of all time. It's going to be ships falling from the sky. But that's not Star Wars. That's not, you know, people have tried to do Star Wars like that. Or there have been Star Wars projects that didn't get off the ground that were like that. But in the end, it's about characters. It's about love. You know, (laughs) It's about people helping people. And it was very Star Wars in the end. And like we said over and over again, so much of... George Lucas's approach to Star Wars is what you think you're going to get and subverting your expectations. Ryan Johnson knew that, and I think Dave Filoni knows that, too. I feel like there was some of that in this episode where, yeah, you're not going to get people pulling ships out of the sky and Lord of the Rings-style ground battles that last for two hours. and It's more about the characters. Well, and what's... It's so great, too, though, is we did get ships falling from the sky and people pulling ships with the force, but mixed in with the character stuff to where it it didn't feel like gratuitous and out of place. And it totally made sense that just like Revenge of the Sith kind of pulled everything away and just focused on what happened to Anakin with this last episode, they kind of pulled everything away it would have been nice to see Mandalore, but what was happening on Mandalore wasn't important. It would have been nice to see other things through the Clone Wars universe, but they knew the right thing to do was to just pull everything away and just focus on the relationship between Rex and Ahsoka and that friendship, because that's ultimately what allowed both of them to survive, where the other Jedi, and we find out potentially a lot of the other clones, didn't weren't so lucky because they didn't have that friendship that Annika, Annika. They don't have that friendship that Ahsoka and Rex have, which is funny because the reason they have that friendship is because of Anakin, who's ultimately part of the reason that everybody else dies. So, but yeah, it was, (laughs) that's true. Oh my God, that's true. (laughs) (laughs) But you're right. Yeah. It's like, I think it's, we're pretty lucky that George Lucas found this weird dude, Dave Filoni, that he liked so much because Dave really does have a good idea of when to pull back. And it was kind of the Ahsoka mall team up tease was one of those things where we all wanted to see it, but maybe he knows better of what we should see. And he held that back. And it's kind of like even back in rebels where they talked about how they were going to have 
people wanted Maul and Vader to fight, and it would have been awesome as a fan to see, but really, in the long run, it didn't make sense, and it wasn't what the story needed, and so we didn't get that, and it was kind of the same sort of thing where we actually got what we needed, not what we wanted. Well, it reminds me, too, the the, the Twin Sons episode, classically with Obi-Wan and Maul, their final confrontation, and Everyone thought that was going to be the two of them flipping around and young old Ben Kenobi doing backflips and stuff. And I don't know. And I guess that's it's that same feeling of I, it reminds me of after I saw The Last Jedi for the first time where I was like, God, that it's it's this it's the same feeling of that's not exactly what I thought I was going to get. And there's that initial like, oh, but then once it sinks in, you're like, oh. <laughs> and that's it's kind of a a Star Wars thing now that's I guess always been there but just recently we've been kind of seeing that Mandalorian was the same way it's like when Star Wars works in that way that special kind of oh way it's kind of magic and who who would have thought that this final episode of Clone Wars would do that I don't know and it's tricky, too, because you can look at, okay, just part four. But then also you've got to think that this is also just a quarter of this colossal Clone Wars movie, too. Yeah, and it'll be really interesting now to go and watch it, one, two, three, four, and just really for the first time we get to see the whole story the way it seems like it was written and, and animated and filmed was as a a little mini movie that was broken into four parts. And now that all the parts are here, it's going to be, I don't know. It's exciting to get to, to see them all back to back. When movie theaters come back, if they need something to show, (laughs) put the siege of Mandalore out in movie theaters, or at least whenever the next celebration is, if it's next year or whatever, show this. And I don't know if we got to do the lottery ticket for, watching the Siege of Mandalore all four back-to-back on the big screen. Because I I was thinking when I was watching this episode, Victory and Death, where I was like, is this better than some of the Star Wars movie? This is on par with anything we've ever gotten in the theaters in terms of the action, the emotion, the Star Wars-ness. It's pretty incredible. It's amazing. Shocking. Yeah. Yeah. If you put all four together, like that's one of the best Star Wars movies we've ever gotten. (laughs) it's true it's true and it's coming from this goofy kids show that people were scared of for so many years it's like vitamins i don't want to take those vitamins but they're good for you i don't want to take them clone wars is star wars broccoli (laughs) no i don't want that looks weird tastes weird later in life you understand the importance of eating that broccoli. And you know what? It tastes pretty good. I know. We should have been eating this broccoli all the time. <laughs> what was wrong with me? Why wasn't I always eating broccoli? I feel so great. I just climbed a wall because <laughs> I <laughs> ate a whole plate of broccoli. Yeah, I was amazed going back and watching it again this morning, how quickly it moves. Because I think it was one of those things watching it last night. Time kind of stood still and it was on one hand, it was it felt like it was over quickly, but it also felt like I like had lived my entire life in those twenty minutes. <laughs> I know it was a weird feeling because I was like almost scared to start it in a way because I was like, man, this is the end. And there's like, and I watch this, and it's over. It's going to be over. 
I'm kind of scared to see what happens, but once, you know, once the episode was going, it was just like, I was sucked in and yeah, time stood still. And next thing I know it was over and I didn't realize how quickly it actually moves. It's the longest and simultaneously the shortest 22, 23 minutes of all time somehow. It's- Cause it really is. The whole episode is like one sequence and and I guess as we get into the episode, we can get more into it. But it is kind of outrageous in that way that it is this one 20 minutes almost action scene. And then also this really emotional character drama at the same time, which I guess is about the most Star Wars thing you can do. Just checking all the Star Wars boxes, circling things, underlining things. There were two things I can remember very plainly. One was that you would watch stuff we did all the time and go, what are you trying to say? What does that mean? And I would explain it to you and you'd say, that's great. Everything you said, do it there because you're not going to be at people's home to explain it to them. And I remember they seem very like simple, basic things, but you get so lost in the process of making these stories and you get it in your head that everybody knows what everything is and you just kind of lose your way. When I got here, I was an animation director that did storyboards. And then the second week of working here, you said, we're not going to do storyboards. And I was like, oh, I have a two-year lease in Mill Valley. How unfortunate. But I had to learn to really make movies. And I think that's the big difference for me is I used to watch films and wonder why when we did animation, it doesn't feel the same. And I learned there's a world of reasons why that the mediums are different and how to approach it with editing and non-linear editing and coverage and shooting with heads and tails. And another big learning curve is just learning to pay attention to all that detail, all the little things. There was a whole other level of thinking the story through and framing shots and staging. As we move into the future, television was taking off and we started to have Netflix and we started to have things like that. There was a definite movement toward more sophisticated animation and more sophisticated stories. The biggest thing he said way back when was that Clone Wars would be immensely more successful on a streaming platform. You were adamant about that. And when Clone Wars got put on Netflix, it exploded. And the amazing thing to me is all the things that you told me in the beginning in 2005 about virtual shooting, trying to do motion capture, a lot of things that we were trying to implement, which I didn't quite understand, but I was like, there's got to be something. He's like, I got to go with this Zivas, getting rid of hand drawing, not because we don't like it, but because it's just a different medium. And now we do all that stuff. And now everybody's trying to do all that stuff. All right, so let's get let's start talking about all the little details. Let's go through beat by beat, through victory and death. I mean, let's let's start with that. Let's start with the title, Victory and Death. What do you think, what's going on with that? I mean, I guess it's our heroes survive, but they only survive because of a lot of unnecessary death. So it's almost like it's, it's, not, it's a happy ending, but it's not a happy ending. I mean, it's pretty on the nose what happens in the episode. Our heroes win, so that's victory. But do they win? Like, is it, I mean, I guess that's kind of the whole end of the clone wars and that's you could say the same thing with revenge of the sith with the birth of the twins and kind of the hope and the galaxy and kenobi at least surviving and so we can get to a new hope there's there's victory i guess but yeah there was a lot of death along the way it's like the end of attack of the clones where yoda's line victory victory you say there is no victory but 
the Jedi persevering in their own way I is victory, but yeah, it's a, it's a messy <laughs> line to get the way to get there. Well, and that was the thing I think was so great with this is that, you know, for being a goofy kids show for the finale, there's some goofy kids show stuff mixed in, but in the end it, it sticks to the themes with revenge of the Sith, where it's like this whole war from was from the start. No one was ever going to win it. The only person who wins the clone wars is Palpatine. And at most people can hope for is to survive, to fight another day. And, and lucky for us, Rex and Ahsoka were able to do that. And Anakin, not really, but there's a little bit of him still in there that survives for another day. So there's, there's still hope in that part as well. But right from the beginning, they're letting you know some heavy stuff coming with the title and kicking right off with the crazy choir music. I hope, uh, Kevin Kiner gets some sort of award for these four episodes because he is going crazy with the score. Well, I saw this morning, and I'm sure by the time this episode comes out, everyone will have seen it. Um, either the whole score or parts of it are on all the music streaming sites now, So, which is good, finally, because it's been said a lot in especially these four episodes. Kevin Kiner has been killing it. He has been rocking and ruling. It's like they had one of his arms tied behind his back for all the rest of the Clone Wars. And now that it was the end, they were like, okay, you can use both hands. Cut loose. The very opening with the logo, though, too, reminded me of the Qui-Gon funeral music. My mind immediately went to, like, wondering if that was intentional. I wonder what, why they would take us back to that. That got me thinking... Qui-Gon's death at the end of Phantom Menace was kind of that and Palpatine being made chancellor, like the one-two punch of beginning his steps of the Revenge of the Sith and the Clone Wars, which are a symbiotic relationship. And now here we have the end of the Clone Wars and Palpatine's great plan, the plan, (laughs) finally, like... Coming into reality and the the effects of that on these people that we love, these characters. And I don't know. And Qui-Gon's funeral is just like, oh, man, that's kind of where we all started with this whole thing here. Yeah. Well, and they played a variation on that for Padme's funeral, too. So it all kind of it's in the Revenge of the Sith DNA of this episode. And I think that's one of the things that is. I mean, it's been fun with the first three, but even with this one, too, just how much they've been keeping the the mirror story, the parallel story of this and revenge of the Sith. And, and just reminding me how much I think we forget how much uh, Dave Filoni was as excited for revenge of the Sith as probably anyone on the world. <laughs> yeah. And if you haven't watched the uh, Mandalorian gallery show yet, there's at least a little bit when they're talking to Dave in there about how he got hired to be on clone wars and everything. And he's talking about, waiting in line for revenge of the Sith. And you can see the smile on his face telling the story. You know, he's half of that smile is just him thinking about being excited for revenge of the Sith. So for him to finally get to tell a parallel story to what's probably one of his all time favorite movies is pretty, I don't know. It's fun to watch it on that level, just to see how he's trying his best to be, to be George and, and give you little hints of the parallels and kind of twist them in his own little way for Ahsoka and Rex to be different than Obi-Wan and Anakin. So the episode begins kind of right where 
shattered, shatter, shatter, uh, ends with its clone troopers coming through the door. Rex and Ahsoka have to make a decision right away what they're going to do. It's kind of neat that Rex just stuns his way through all the clone troopers that come at them, at least at the hands of Ahsoka and Rex. I don't know if a single clone trooper is killed, which is a kind of awesome thing. Well, especially because it's it's Ahsoka's idea, right? From the beginning, she's like, set it, set it to stun, and Rex is like, they're trying to kill us, but kind of with her and Anakin at this point kind of being the, the yin and yang and the, the opposites. She's trying to stay on the on the good side and not kill her people that used to be her friends because she knows they, they're just following their orders. They don't mean it. And even though she's not a Jedi, as we've seen in, in this season, she's kind of she's a better Jedi than the real Jedi at this point. Ahsoka, all through this episode especially, really brought it home for me. And it's something we've been like almost getting to when we did our our Saga Year episode all about the the whole legacy and history of Ahsoka and then everything leading up to this point with all these Clone Wars episodes. But Ahsoka now has become, in, in my opinion now, like the ultimate Jedi. Whether she's a vessel of the Force or not, if you want to believe that, great cosmic force. For all this time, we've always talked about how Qui-Gon was like the ultimate Jedi and the definition of what a Jedi should be or used to be. And now Ahsoka's kind of taken that role. And it's so interesting to think about with kind of the relationship between the, the Qui-Gon story and the Ahsoka story, where Qui-Gon was the master Anakin could have had, not should have had, because the Force worked out exactly as, how it should have with Kenobi being his master. But he was the positive influence of that kind of Jedi that maybe Anakin would have flourished under. Nothing, nothing against Obi-Wan Kenobi in any way, shape, or form. And then Ahsoka is the, the student that Anakin should have had more time with, especially during this period of time. And like this whole Siege of Mandalore thing, how they wanted to talk to each other, or at least Ahsoka wanted to talk to Anakin, and that just wasn't going to happen. And it's like these, these two characters who could have turned Anakin's life in different directions, but he was denied both of those. And both of them are like this uber-Jedi at this point. Even with Qui-Gon in the afterlife, or even when he was alive, and Ahsoka, now that she's kind of declared herself not a Jedi. Yeah, and it's so neat that Anakin, who ultimately turns out not to be the best Jedi, is the master who had ultimately the best apprentice who who really understood the lessons she was supposed to understand better than any of the other Jedi to the point of her not being a Jedi anymore, because that was the ultimately the right way to hold the ideals of the Jedi was to just not be one. And she chose not to fight in the war anymore when the other Jedis kind of went along with it, not realizing that they were making the wrong choice. And it reminds me of the last Jedi also, like you can, all the things we just said, and you can look at Luke's character in Last Jedi, where he decided not to fight anymore, and he cut himself off from the Force. He decided not to be the Jedi that everyone thought Luke Skywalker should be. And only through that was he able to be the Jedi. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I was kind of thinking of, of that through this whole episode of, in the end, there's this huge action-packed battle, but 
Anakin and Ahsoka make the choice not to kill. And they succeed by escaping without really hurting anyone. Ultimately, her letting Maul loose kind of negated all of that, but they made the attempt to be a Jedi and be as nonviolent as they can because these people were their friends. They were their, their brothers. And she felt like she owed it to them to not be the one to take their life, which is pretty cool. And very Return of the Jedi Star Wars to have the big finale be about not fighting. There are alternatives to fighting. When Ahsoka decides to let Maul's ship go, I like that the music in that moment is the Force theme. Like, kind of comes out of nowhere when she lets go. A very deliberate choice that Ahsoka, Ahsoka was like, no, Maul should leave. Well, and it was, she could probably have got Maul, but Rex would have died. And she was choosing, she can save her friend or she can get herself out of there in that shuttle. And she made the Jedi choice to save her friend, her brother, even if it meant Maul getting away. Never. I'll never turn to the dark side. You failed, Your Highness. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. So be it, Jedi. So they go, they, they get out of there. Kind of right after that, we cut to what, what Maul is up to, right? And he is using the Force to smash up the engine room, the hyperdrive room. Pretty cool moment. Did you notice, because this was probably one of my favorite parts of the episode, was when they cut to Maul, they did a, a wipe, but the wipe was the, the doors opening. <sighs> no, I didn't. And now... <laughs> I gotta gotta, gotta watch it again. It was really cool because you watch it and you're like, oh, that's a cool like diagonal wipe. And then you realize, no, that's just the doors like opening. But they, I don't know. That was really, it was a really cool little moment. And also, I don't think I, this sunk in until the second time, but you realize the whole time I think Maul is listening in to the clones on that wrist communicator. I think that's the wrist communicator from the arm that got dismembered in the last episode. Definitely. Yeah. Because I was... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I noticed that too. Yeah. yeah. So it's like that mall's a crafty one. We get a view of the the bridge of the ship and we get another look at uh, our favorite new clone, Trendsetter with his sideburns. Yeah. Trendsetter had a friend too, Friendsetter. There's like two of them with the with the sweet burns. That clone's always one step ahead. Look at his cool sideburns. We can't forget too though back when Mall's cutting loose on that hyperdrive just the choir music is back and I really like in just this whole these four episodes, how basically Maul's theme is just outrageous choir music. And whenever Maul's cutting loose, Kevin Kiner's kind of cutting loose with the choir music. And I don't think we've ever seen anyone punch a clone trooper so hard that their helmet falls off. Or use then then use the helmet to deflect blaster bolts. It's like back in Phantom Menace when he opened that door with that droid part. We knew that Maul was a crafty one. The music in this scene and the animation in this scene and all the shots kind of going on right after that of the Republic cruiser crashing down to the planet. We've been saying it all through this season. Everyone's been saying it because it's so incredibly obvious. The animation on this season, especially is just incredible. Absolutely 
insane, incredible, over the top, the best. Yeah, when they're in space, you squint just a little bit and you're watching the movies. Like, it's it's that good. I'm sure it's probably bugged some people, but I just, I really love the fact that Ahsoka gets her ship crashing scene like Anakin does at the beginning of Revenge of the Sith, that she gets to ride her ship into the atmosphere as it falls apart. Like, it's maybe it's too on the nose and too obvious a parallel, but I thought it was a lot of fun. Her kind of getting her ship crashing moments. And that just being kind of, that's the Revenge of the Sith theme, that everything's just going down in flames and we're going to be really obvious about it and just have ships completely disintegrating in the atmosphere in both of these stories. Like last night when I watched it, like at midnight, it's funny because I was just like, this reminds me of something. And I was like so into it that I didn't even pick up on like uh, Revenge of the Sith. <laughs> yeah, because then it carries on to later when they're in the atmosphere and we get the, the them in the hangar and everyone's sliding and falling, just like the scene with R2 and the droids. But we get Ahsoka and the, and the clones kind of having that same moment. It's subtle and over the top at the same time. Because yeah, they're, they're caught in this moon. Did they ever say the name of the planet that they're going to? No. There's some planet somewhere between Mandalore and Coruscant. So they're, they're caught in this moon's gravitational field. And yeah, and they're being pulled down in there. They realize that there's, there's just one shuttle left. And they're going to make their way to it. And they realize it's... It's like the Revenge of the Sith novel. It's a Jedi trap because there's all those clones being led by Jesse down there waiting for them, knowing they're going to make their way to that one shuttle that's left. And then Rex and Ahsoka stop and have this conversation, which is kind of until the very end of the episode, the last breather we get in this episode. Yeah, I really like that this this whole kind of sequence starts out with with Rex's line about if they weren't trying to kill us, I'd be proud. Like he's still, he's still Rex. He's still proud of his boys, but then it kind of quickly gets, gets deep and dark with uh, Rex talking about he's ready to kill everyone. And Ahsoka saying how she's not going to let that happen. And then we get the, the Mandalorian moment where she takes off his helmet. Everyone's favorite Smokey Robinson song plays again. Tears of a clone. Oh, poor Rex. And hey, just like Anakin, he gets his second crying moment at the end to mirror his crying moment earlier in the story. When it hit me when I watched it, too, with Ahsoka saying to Rex, you're a good soldier. And going back to season six and good soldiers follow orders. and Just that line, a good soldier, follow orders and order 66. And when she's kind of making the point that that's why she doesn't want to kill the other soldiers, because they're just being good soldiers that they were trained to be in and ultimately the real tragedy of the whole clone wars itself is that the clones were they only existed because of this war and they only existed to be manipulated by palpatine and basically killed and thrown away at the end and that you know maybe they're the real biggest victims of this whole thing and that they're just doing what they were born to do and it just that whole sequence reminded me of the the heroes on both sides part from the Revenge of the Sith crawl that it's like right here you know the same clones there's there's heroes on both sides because the order 66 guys really they're not evil they're not doing it out of spite it's just they've been bred to follow orders and just because the order's bad doesn't necessarily mean that they're bad yeah because they go down and Ahsoka's got this idea 
they're talking to Jesse and they're trying to stall for time. Well, our little droid buddies can work some magic. And it's a little moment with Rex talking to Jesse, but it's it's really heartbreaking kind of to watch because you've got Rex pretty much talking his way to save Ahsoka's life when at any moment they could open fire on Ahsoka and it, b- it would be too much. <laughs> yeah, because we saw that scene a few times in Revenge of the Sith of what happens when they all start firing at once. So they're so close to that right here. Man, and can I guess we should all be grateful that this all worked out the way it did because if we hadn't have seen Rebels before this episode, and I feel bad for anyone who has never seen Rebels and watches Clone Wars from the beginning and gets to this part because this does seem like the part where they die. <laughs> if we didn't know she was still alive in Rebels. It's like you were saying in the beginning. It's like how the Clone Wars series has kind of echoed just Star Wars overall, you know, with you think it's done and then it's back and then you think it's done again and it's back again. And kind of like the the whole saga of films now, you know, you, you when Revenge of the Sith came out, you'd wonder like, oh, can imagine someone watching one, two, three, four, five, six. What would that be like instead of watching four, five, six, one, two, three? And you think, well, now, like somebody who's like, well, I've never watched Star Wars Rebels before. And that moment when Rex and Ahsoka are reunited in Rebels is going to play so differently now for everyone, whether you're watching Rebels again or for the hundredth time or for the first time. It's going to be, well, it's going to pack a wallop. Well, and it already packed a wallop, even without all this extra information. So, like a double wallop. Give me double, double wallops of whipped cream. Two scoops of wallop. <laughs> Commander. You got old. Had to happen sometime, Rex. I'm glad you're still alive. You too. Well, I wouldn't be if it weren't for these guys. Thank you for trusting my friend. It wasn't easy. It's still not. Nothing worth doing ever is. Yeah, so next up, Maul is back to mess up their plans. He's on his way to steal the shuttle. Uh, The droids are waving their arms to let Ahsoka know that they got to get to the shuttle. And there's some more great Maul just throwing things with the Force at Ahsoka and ultimately just throws Ahsoka with the Force. And she's got to use her lightsabers to slow her down. And she falls into a shaft and is... Saved by everyone's favorite new droid, Gigi, with his uh, grappling hook. So now we have Ahsoka hanging from a cable, blocking blaster bolts. Why Rex and uh, Cheap, I think, are trying to get her out of that pit. This part made me think about it, and it's something Sky Talkers, Charlotte and Caitlin, have talked about on, on their fantastic Clone Wars recaps they've been doing. But it just made me think about Order 66... Obviously. And when Ahsoka's hanging there, and they're just like, oh, geez. And the clones are shooting at her, and she's just hanging on by this little droid cable. And we care about these characters so much. But just seeing this pivotal moment in Star Wars history, Order 66, this changing moment, in such a personal, small way. And I guess that's the whole beauty of this episode. Well, that's kind of, I mean, bringing up is the whole thing with, 
why the whole idea of Order 66 is such kind of a nasty revenge of the Sith, because it is ultimately a very personal betrayal, because it's like the meanest thing Palpatine could have done, because literally they've spent the last three years fighting side by side with these troops. And as we've seen from the Clone Wars cartoon, the Jedi went out of their way to humanize each clone and let them know that they're individuals and they're people and they're not just nameless machines like the droids would be and for the the end of all the of most of the jedi to be killed by basically their friends and it is kind of in a very personal way because it's not like they're on a battlefield with thousands and thousands of clones from what we've seen a lot of them were you know just with their a squad that's very probably close to them shooting them at close range with them not realizing it is just you know it's really sad and it's bad, like I was saying earlier, too, of just how much the Clone Wars cartoon has let us see how much the clones themselves were victims of the Clone Wars and how they not only were forced to kill their friends, but they basically had all their individuality and personality taken away when Palpatine activated the Order 66 chip in their head and basically turned them into the robots that the Jedi made a point of them not feeling like. Oh, and I and I think that's one thing I was I don't want to say surprised, but I guess still kind of surprised. It's it's like we said too that that kind of oh that <laughs> the Star Wars oh that this episode doesn't make the clones into bad guys instantly, which almost kind of Revenge of the Sith kind of did. Where it's weird to even go back and watch Revenge of the Sith now. And think about when that movie came out. All we knew about clone troopers was what we saw from the end of clones and the Jendi cartoon. The clone troopers didn't really have the character that they have today. And it was much easier watching Revenge of the Sith to be like, oh, now the clones are bad and they're like stormtroopers. Or even watching Sith now, it's it's more heartbreaking. And the way that this episode still kind of gives even the clones that did do order 66 that still had the chip going in them. The episode doesn't really make them bad guys, except for them shooting up the droids. That's, (laughs) (laughs) but, but they would have done that probably before the chip, before order 66. If there were droids that were inhibiting their mission, stopping them from doing what they're doing, they probably would have done the same thing. Well, most of their job is killing droids. So that's kind (laughs) of, True. (laughs) That's not hard for them to do. (laughs) True. But yeah, I mean, that's why I think in the end, people love Clone Wars so much and why Clone Wars is such good Star Wars, because it is the whole thing of the best Star Wars is something that feels familiar and maybe even calls back to a previous Star Wars thing, but does it in a way that completely changes how that previous thing feels or how you interpret it. And that by the end now of this Clone Wars season or series, especially this season, but the whole series going back and watching Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith, you have a totally different feeling for the clones because, you know, all this extra story about what the clones were like. And it's the same thing of, you know, when you watch the original trilogy after the prequels and and seeing Vader come through the door with his squad of stormtroopers, realizing that, wow, back in the Clone Wars, it was the same thing. And you saw Jedi leading squads of clone troopers like that. The good guys had now become the bad guys and things really aren't that different. It's just 
their their mission has changed. And here, when we go back and we watch Revenge of the Sith and all the clones go bad, you realize that, you know, that they're as hurt by Order 66 as the Jedis are. And we didn't know that before. Yeah, it's like how the the prequel trilogy underlined and highlighted things and made you look at the original trilogy in a different way. It's almost like the Clone Wars almost was that kind of for the prequel trilogy, where we're now because of the Clone Wars series and all seven seasons, yeah, we can now highlight and underline things in episodes one, two, and three that were always there, but we just couldn't see them. <laughs> it's the Star Wars magnifying glass. Well, I mean, that's the same going back to the original trilogy. Empire Strikes Back, by the end of that, you makes you look at A New Hope a different way because you realize who Darth Vader really is. And then after Return of the Jedi and you realize that Leia's Luke's sister, you look at the other previous two movies kind of through a different light and knowing, you know, that what Vader ultimately does at the end of Return of the Jedi makes you think of Empire differently because you realize kind of what's going on underneath his helmet a little bit more. So, I mean, that's what makes good Star Wars good Star Wars since the beginning is when the new thing comes out that makes you re-evaluate the previous thing. Like, that's always been there and it's cool that Clone Wars is kind of keeping that going. Even though they're clones, clones are people. Everybody starts out the same, but in time, as they grow up, they change. One of the keys in doing a movie is you've got to recognize the characters. That was a big challenge, and luckily we had an actor named D. Baker who could do it. And we came with the idea that we could have one guy play them all, and he actually could. You forget when you're watching it that it's all the one guy. In fact, sometimes he's playing good guys and the villain, too, which is then really mind-blowing. <laughs> but yeah, that was a visual challenge. It was an acting challenge. And military personnel have a huge affinity for the clones. It really struck a chord with military families because that idea of being part of a whole but also an individual strikes a very important chord for them. Maul gets away, or tries to get away, and this is the part we talked about where Ahsoka tries to use the Force to, to stop his ship from getting away, and Rex runs over and holds her hand, and he tries to hold onto her while she's holding onto the ship with the Force, rubbing it in our faces how close these two are, how much they're buddies and brothers and sisters and that ultimately she lets Maul go because she's got to save Rex and that's what's more important and she saves Rex in probably the most over-the-top Ahsoka way possible by using the force to spin her lightsabers around and cut a big giant hole in the floor (laughs) so whoa so that's how we're doing it all right yeah if you thought this episode was getting too too deep and emotional Ahsoka whips out a cuts a hole in the floor well and I love to the droids plan going on during all this our hero droids our best friend droids shooting the clones down and then back up in the air to get them out of the way something about that also too just screamed george lucas of it's kind of comedic it's kind of it's ridiculous but very very star wars in a way too yeah because we're constantly cutting away between this the bond between Ahsoka and Rex and their predicament. And then just these goofy droids saving the day in the wackiest way possible. So Rex spots a, like a, a Y wing, an old model Y wing over there. The cruiser is crashing. And this whole moment with Rex and the Y wing and Ahsoka, Tom cruising it up, flying through the air. Did you, cause I had a, pretty big reaction when they fell down there and they looked around and all of a sudden they saw the Y-Wings. I was like, oh, of course it's the (laughs) Y-Wings. Because that's, I mean, those are some of my favorite moments back through Clone Wars or the the episodes with Anakin and Ahsoka and the Y-Wings together. Mm -hmm. And it just made sense that 
if she's going to escape, it's not going to be in some boring old shuttle. It's going to be in one of the Y wings. And we, and we also get a full on Anakin attack of the clones, Obi-Wan attack of the clones, just falling from the sky, trying to land into a spaceship. It's true. I didn't think about that. Uh, Totally. Stay away from the power couplings. And Yoda's probably doing the same thing at the same moment, jump, dropping down into Bale's little car. Oh yeah. More, more buddies getting away. All the duos. Yeah. Just choosing a Y wing. It's, of all the ships, yeah, they could have just been like, oh, let's just make some new ship, some Republic shuttle thing. But it, I'm sure it was a very conscious decision to, no, it's got to be a Y-Wing. Of all the ships, the Y-Wing. Something that you see and instantly brings you back to Star Wars. We cut to the surface of the planet. And from here on out in the episode, like this final six minutes or whatever is left, there's no dialogue. And it's... It's like how the the best Star Wars movies always end with a dialogue-free little epilogue. Mm-hmm. I don't know. This is like the ultimate of that because yeah, we I didn't even pick up on it too at first. With we see Rex walking back to the Y wing with a shovel, a space shovel, which I think is one of the first times we've seen a space shovel. Uh, and why does he have a space shuttle? Because they they've been digging graves, as many clones from a star destroyer that they could find. Yeah, that was like oh. I just remember, too, like, uh, the first thing I thought of with this whole scene was just the the line from Last Jedi, the whole peace and purpose. It was like, that's like the feeling I was getting where it's like, it's sad, but it's peaceful. And ah- Ahsoka and Rex, they know what they need to do. And they need to take care of their brothers and give them a proper burial. We see Ahsoka with her, her hood on, her kind of a hint at what her future look is. And I think that's the first time watching it is where it really kind of sunk in just like how really the Clone Wars was as much as we were following the Jedi and Anakin and Ahsoka was really all about the clones and how they they got the short end of the stick with this whole Clone War deal. And that in the end, you know, they they were the heroes that they could be. But, you know, Palpatine is a nasty dude and basically screwed every for everybody over and maybe them the worst. The part with the, the the clone graveyard, it's like, what, a minute long or something? But it's, it's again, it's a triple wallop. It's, it's three scoops of whipped cream on top of the ice cream. Because the clone helmets on the sticks instantly reminds us of the Mandalorian. Still so fresh in our minds when Mando shows up on Tatooine and there's all the Stormtrooper helmets on the sticks. But also this scene, it echoes... Luke at the end of Return of the Jedi, looking at the burning funeral of the Vader suit, kind of the end of that era. And again, the death of Qui-Gon with them watching Qui-Gon's body burn, which is still intense, and kind of the end of that era. And Ahsoka with the saber in her hand and dropping it to the ground, again, is her not choosing that life, which... Again, I thought right away of The Last Jedi. And also, there's, you know, you could say, you could make a connection to The Rise of Skywalker with Ray burying the sabers in the sand on Tatooine. You mean, no, no matter what your opinion on that movie is, you know, there's a connection there. Yeah. Well, and the end of Return of the Jedi of just the, the Jedi throwing down their weapon and realizing that, you know, maybe you need to fight sometimes, but sometimes you just need to let it go. And it's 
and and leave it leave it aside and move on with this moment and this kind of ending of this part of the episode it's the end of Ahsoka's story in in this saga it's neat thinking too of Ahsoka when we see her again in Rebels and how kind of resistant she was to be a Jedi again or to do Jedi things or even talk about the Jedi or use her lightsabers even I also really like that this ending is is total Clone Wars and the fact that it's this very personal funeral grave with all the clones, but also the clones died because an entire Star Destroyer crashed into a planet <laughs> and their little helmets on sticks are in front of an entire Star Destroyer crashed into a planet. So it's the perfect Clone Wars blend of, and this whole kind of story arc blend of these intimate personal stories contrasted with completely over-the-top outrageous Star Wars action. I like thinking, too, that if and when we do see Ahsoka again in live action, it's a chapter of Ahsoka's story that is completely untold, where it's after Rebels. It's long after all this. And I, the Ahsoka Tano story doesn't end with this moment, but the journey she's had from Snips to this is absolutely phenomenal. And I guess, you know, it mirrors the, sh like we said in our Saga Year episode, the show overall. Ahsoka is the Clone Wars. And she's a vessel of the cosmic force, and she is the Clone Wars, and she's Qui Gon 2.0, you know? <laughs> well, and we can't forget Rex either, who is the other, the other side of representing the Clone Wars. Like he is the, and the fact that, he, he survives and they brought him back in rebels is just even more incredible now that, you know, we now see how he ended up who he was in rebels and that even though the clones turned bad, he's kind of a, a living example of that. They, they really, they were still good people and it, and it wasn't their fault. And that, you know, it's even more of a tragedy because they could have, they could have saved more of them if only people knew. Well, and it's a very star Wars whole thing of, seeing the good in people, even if they were programmed to kill their best friends. <laughs> well, all I kept thinking about too, is I doubt, I mean, maybe we'll get a story someday, but I just, my mind was racing, just thinking about at some point, you know, Rex and Ahsoka go their separate ways and that Rex is just out there trying to save his brothers. And he ultimately, he gets what Gregor and Wolf and saves them. And that at least, you know, He's trying to save his brothers, and, and we at least know with Rebels that he, he at least can save some of them because he never kind of gave up on them. And it seems like that kind of he got from Ahsoka that she never gave up on the clones, and it kind of that carried over to him because he was ready to start. He's ready to kill him. It's like Luke never given up on um, his father. It's all it's like poetry. It all rhymes, people. <laughs> it just came kind of naturally since we've been dealing with Padawans and Masters and things. It would be interesting to see Anakin with a Padawan. And she was, you know, a tough little teenager. She was sort of the student position, but she wouldn't let Anakin tell her anything. She'd question everything he asked her. She'd stand up to him. And sometimes she'd outdo him. So it was a dynamic relationship. And sometimes she'd fail, which was the best episodes where she would learn something. And it was tricky because you had this precocious teenager. When you watch the early episodes, she really feels like a teenager being young 
young and a little bit over the top. And later on, when she's matured, for an animated character to have this kind of personality arc is almost unheard of over so many seasons. So that really worked out. And again, you being the knowledgeable master filmmaker (laughs) and me, the apprentice, it was easy to try to understand the relationship in the story that we were telling. All right. So now we've got to talk about the end of the episode. If that end of the episode wasn't enough, and it kind of was like, oh, this is enough. <laughs> but no, I love the that we get the passage of time by the seeing the shuttle and, and knowing that some time has passed because the shuttle is different, especially because we specifically saw the earlier version of the shuttle in this episode as like a plot point with them trying to escape in that shuttle and that we kind of fade to the Imperial shuttle. So we know that it's not like the next week. That it's sometime in the future. Yeah, we see the snow troopers from behind, and it's like, oh, is that? Oh, and they turn around again, another Star Wars. Oh, 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 oh. All I could think about this whole sequence was the end of AI. (laughs) Because it's totally the end of AI with the snow. In the because wasn't it snow? It was like a glacier, right? At the end of AI. One of my favorite cinematic moments of all time. Ben Kingsley voiceover. Then it was ten thousand years pass, but it's it totally like with the music and just how just like kind of somber it was. I was like, man, this is just like the end of AI because they're like they're on this snow thing and they're looking for artifacts. Who shows up? Oh my gosh, skinny skinny Vader. Yeah, in in my mind, by the the amount of snow, the deterioration of the Republic cruiser, and the fact that. The helmets are off their sticks, completely buried in snow. We only really see one helmet. That I, my opinion is a lot of time has passed. That we are, how many years would you say we are past when Ahsoka and Rex leave? I feel like we're sometime between Revenge of the. We're, at, we're obviously after Revenge of the Sith, but we're before Rogue One because I think maybe I'm reading into it, but I feel like they specifically made a hybrid of Revenge of the Sith Anakin and a New Hope Anakin where he's still kind of a little skinny and looks like the younger Revenge of the Sith one, but he's got the red visor, red goggles, like a New Hope. So it's somewhere, you know, maybe it's been 10 years. There's Imperial probe droids and there's stormtroopers there with big old backpacks. And it's kind of, it's the Empire. The Empire is in full force. And the way Vader's introduced is so cool because you hear the breathing first, followed immediately by just a shot of the foot and the cape. Oh, yeah. This whole sequence, I just, I really liked how they did it. What's interesting, too, is I don't know, did you catch there's kind of a a slight shift in, in art style, too? And it's interesting to me because I feel like some of it was a practical reason that a lot of the backgrounds in this part are just matte paintings. And part of that, I wonder, is just they if they tried to keep the amount of people who worked on this last sequence, because there's no voice acting in it. So it's literally like they could have had the bare minimum of people working on it to kind of keep it a surprise. And maybe that was why the backgrounds were more matte paintings and not like 3D models. But it also, I think in a, in a funny way, ties into the end of of Revenge of the Sith a lot because the end of Revenge of the Sith is like Obi-Wan and the Lars in front of just a picture of the desert that they've took when they filmed Attack of the Clones. So it kind of has that kind of feel to it, but then also it feels a lot more anime, which is a, which Dave is really into. 
and the fact that it is kind of showing time passing that the slight differentness to the look, I think added to that. I don't know. Did, am I the only one <laughs> thinking about that stuff during this part? I don't know if it was the iconography of just Vader in general or the Imperial shuttle or the, the probe droid or just classic stormtroopers. It was just like, Oh, original trilogy. <laughs> and maybe the, the matte painting kind of aspect of it kind of, again, is original trilogy. It's just very dreamy. It's almost like you're watching a dream. I think is kind of some of the feel I got from it too, just because it's, it's slightly, you know, it was off in a good way. Anakin and his dreams. I mean, and this is, it's so, it's such a cool, surprising moment because you're like in our, our blast points army episode for shattered. We were like, is Vader going to show up in the suit? And we were like, that would be cool. But it's also like, well, why would Vader show up? And well, in this, it's like, well, what is Vader doing exactly? What has happened? We don't know. They don't tell you exactly why Vader has come to this moon. Why? And there's a lot of stormtroopers, and there's probe droids, and the probe droid makes us think of Hoth and them searching for the rebel base. But if Vader is there, then it's something important. Did Vader go there looking for Ahsoka? Because Vader could sense, he knew where to go. He could sense to kneel down right at that place. And her saber was down there. The saber that Anakin gave to her that we just saw a few episodes ago. And Vader lights up that blue saber. And then looks up in the sky. And there's that crazy owl thing flying around. Which, you know, makes us think back to Mortis. Yeah, it's a heavy duty ending. Because you start out and you're like, oh man, it's Vader. But then, yeah, by the end, it's like, it's our last glimpse of Anakin because it's Vader with the blue saber. We see, actually can see a little bit of his eyes through the through the glass in the helmet. Did you notice that? Yes, yes. Yeah, I almost died. Literally almost, I almost threw up right on myself. Yeah. And it's like, on one hand, it's just giving you a glimpse that Anakin's still in there. It also reminds you of when they, they finally meet again in rebels and ahsoka cuts his helmet open and we see his eye again and just i think ending on vader who is the like the symbol of the sadness of the prequel trilogy but on kind of a hopeful note that he was he wondered what happened to ahsoka and that part of anakin is still in there and he was still thinking about her and now he knows that maybe he doesn't know if she's alive but he's thinking about her and maybe for the first time since revenge of the sith he's thinking about his old life instead of just being grumpy evil Vader that we see Anakin again just for a second. Heavy duty. Do I want whipped cream still? I don't I don't even know. Can I even still eat ice cream? I don't <laughs> I thought May the fourth was supposed to be happy times. Uh, you know, it's like Sky Talkers say Star Wars is tragedy and so Yeah. The the Bee Gees knew all along with tragedy. They were singing about Star Wars since the beginning. You might be strutting along to Saturday Night Fever, but in the end, it's a tragedy. <laughs> That's why that droid was called Gigi, because he's the BGG droid. <laughs> you know, we did we did hope there was a droid named BG, but we only got Gigi, but that's totally close enough. 
They they knew. Filoni knew. You know Filoni's listening to the Bee Gees every day. He's sneaking off in a corner during his sweatpants quarantine on the couch. Putting headphones on. I love it. When he can't sleep, puts on a little night fever. <laughs> it just puts me, knocks me right out. That's my, I don't know what's happening to my Filoni impersonation. <laughs> Well, we got to give, before we wrap up completely, we've got to give a shout out to the Siege of Mandalore's directors, right? Yeah. Well, really the last eight episodes, which were the newest Star Wars, Clone Wars we got. With the Martez sisters episodes, we had Dave Filoni and Charles Murray writing those. And then Dave Filoni on his own writing the last four. But yeah, the um, the directors for these last eight episodes were Sal Ruiz and uh, Nathaniel Villanova, who in conjunction with Mr. Filoni just tore these episodes up. I mean, Clone Wars is back and it felt like it never left, but it looked better than ever. Yeah. I mean, the Clone Wars team is, it was as strong as it ever was. Yeah, and I know like for us and a lot of fans, we just, it's all Dave Filoni, Dave Filoni, Dave Filoni, but you know, we, you got to give a shout out to the the directors and everyone involved in this final season of Clone Wars because what a final season it was and what a series it was. I mean, it goes without saying, of course, but it's sad that it's done. We were so excited for it. It's literally the end of an era. It's the end of not just the Clone Wars era, but the prequel era. And it's the end of kind of, the Lucas era, strictly Lucas, we of his stories that came directly from him. I mean, who knows what little like Han the closet contributions he'll he'll have in the future, or he has had on things we don't even know about. And it's it's bittersweet. Yeah, it's crazy. We're finally here. the The Skywalker saga is technically over, and the Clone Wars being a it's it's little part of that now being over for real. I mean, it's satisfying that, man, we, we, all these years later, we really got an ending and it wasn't just watching the season six extra episodes and in your mind, imagining what happened, you know, finally getting to see it and, and just thinking about all the people who in a way are lucky that they, if they haven't seen all this to get to go and just dig in and watch this entire Clone Wars story unfold and and know that they're going to get a real ending and not wonder, hey, what happened? <laughs> and that, you know, they made it work and they did justice to all those episodes. And I can't imagine it ending any other way. And I'm just, yeah, I'm so happy that we got it and we got it so good. And maybe it was for the best that we got the Rebels break and Mandalorian in there because when everybody came back together, like they, you know, maybe the ending wouldn't have been this good if they did it 10 years ago. And even the, the influence of the sequel trilogy and taking influence from that and the, this final season of Clone Wars kind of wrapping it all up and sending it out. Yeah, absolutely amazing. All batteries return fire. Incoming! Move! The shroud go, go, go. of the dark side Captain. has fallen. Begun. The Clone War has... Jedi aren't just going to sit by while Grievous and his droids take over the whole universe. At least, that's what Anakin says. 
I'm supposed to listen to him. He's my master. I may just be a Padawan, but soon I will be a Jedi. And if that means I have to cut my way through a hundred droids, I will. Gladly. Star Wars The Clone Wars. A new adventure every Friday starting October 3rd at 9 p.m. on Cartoon Network. This is Captain Rex. You're listening to Jason and Gabe on Blast Points. And these blast points, too accurate for sand people. Only Imperial stormtroopers are so precise. So you know the deal. Apple Podcast Reviews. If you leave one, if you write one after you get done listening to this, say something nice over there in iTunes, Apple Podcast. We will read yours in an upcoming episode. And check us out on BlastPointsPodcast.com, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. And if you're on Facebook, sign up for the Super Chill Group. And we are still doing weekly Jedi Club Watch at home along parties on Facebook and they have been a blast and we're going to keep doing them through May. This Saturday, if you're listening, is going to be the holiday special. Yes, we're watching the holiday special. Watch on party. We're getting weird. Which is totally out of character for us. But we're going we're gonna to see if we can make it work. And a whipster, whipster, your Saturday night into a frenzy. And if you want to support the show in a different way, we've got, like I said, the Blast Points Army over there on Patreon. If you want to check out all of our episodes on the previous episodes of Clone Wars, we've got one for each of them. And starting next week, we are going to have uh, Blast Points Army episodes for all of the Disney Gallery Mandalorian behind-the-scenes things. But later this week, we will have an episode for everyone on that first episode of Disney Gallery, Mandalorian, about all the directors, which can't wait to talk about because, man, that's, we are, we're blessed. <laughs> There's some hot stuff coming out of Disney Plus this week. Stock up on ice cubes because we're going to be sweating. Look for that later this week for everybody. As far as episode 217 here, Victory and Death, the end of the Clone Wars. Victory and Death is how I feel right now because I'm just going to go lay down I think and even though it's still the morning I'm gonna celebrate by dropping dead <laughs> <laughs> alright thank you everyone for listening stay safe we'll talk to you later thanks everybody bye bye may the force be with you goodbye old friend may the force be with you
Well, we've been talking uh, about Star Wars TV series. Um, we're working on one right now, which is Clone Wars, which has been on the air, and we're going to try to expand that into a half an hour of uh, 3D animation. May the force be with all of you.